This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ community radio station, Joy 94.9. Salt's here, but the pepper is missing in action, so I am joined by the exquisite Noni Hazelhurst. You may have just heard her do fantastic news reading. I'm another kind of condiment, aren't I, Yes, you are. Have you ever decided what you would be? Would you be balsamic? Would you be some relish? Um, No, I think possibly... um a bouquet garni. <laughs> that a sounds mixture. terribly fancy. I don't actually know what that is. It's a mixture. It's all kinds of lovely herbs that the French use. It's a mixed bunch, literally. Oh, right. So you're a mixed bag. No bunch, <laughs> thanks. Keep the bag to yourself, girly. <laughs> Look, thank bag. you for joining us tonight. Pete's Missing in Action. Tell us about your new show. A Place to Call Home. Yes, it's a very interesting proposition. Um, the, the creator, Bevan Lee, who's been the major drama writer and instigator of drama series on the Seven Network for many years, this is really Bevan's baby. And um, Bevan's a gay man. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, I asked him why he wrote the show. And he said it's about bigotry and intolerance. It's set in 1953. Uh, and it's there are a lot of secrets. These families are very much... Uh, hiding who they really are from each other in the world, and uh, as many people still do. Indeed. Uh, and, I, and I really like the fact that, I, that it does deal with issues to do with homosexuality, to do with status quo and trying to break through that uh, in a small country town in, in New South Wales. And it's going very well, and hopefully we will get another series. We should find out in the week or so. So anyone who's watching it and who likes it, Call Channel 7 now. Indeed. You can also tweet your love for a place to call home. You there is a Twitter can. handle and obviously there's a salt and pepper handle as well. We do welcome you to the show tonight. Seven minutes past seven. Noni, it's Idaho week. It's Idaho on Friday. Do you know what that is? Uh, well, there's a description of somewhere that's in the middle of nowhere, which you describe as bum Idaho. Indeed. And there's an Idaho potato. Yeah. But until today, I didn't know the other meaning of Idaho. And I'm sure there are people out there who don't either. Well, Friday is the International Day Against Homophobia ah. and Transphobia. So it's interesting that you're talking about those issues coming up in your show because they're relevant even now. Those, those oh, issues never gorgeous. seem to go away. So our entire show tonight is devoted to Idaho, which is on Friday. And... It, just a little bit of background on Idaho. In almost 80 countries around the world, loving someone of the same sex is still considered illegal, at times involving lifetime imprisonment, and in nine countries it's even punishable by death. So Idaho was created in 2004 to draw attention of policymakers, opinion leaders, social movements and the public and the media to this issue. So tonight we're talking to the AFL Players Association, the CEO, Mark Finnis. They've just launched a fantastic new campaign, which is stamping out homophobia in sport, which we know is a big issue. Oh, it's a wonderfully brave campaign. It is a fantastic... These players who've come forward. It is indeed. It's it's just fantastic. We're also talking to Alex Webley, who's the UN Youth uh, Summit convener, which has a 
gay and lesbian focus here in Melbourne this week. I think it's happening at the moment. We're talking to Robert Knapman from ACON, uh, walking us through the anti-violence project initiatives for Idaho this week. And we're also talking about a trans issue coming out of Queensland of a, of a little girl identifying as trans, wanting to use the girls' toilets at school and that creating a bit of a kerfuffle. So we're going to talk to Kate Doak, who's a trans journo in Sydney. She's going to walk us through some of the implications of Idaho and this particular issue more closely to home. It's, it's kind of a big show. It is a big show. And if people want to find out more about Idaho, uh, check it out on the net because there's lots of information. We've just had a message about your news reading. Oh, yes. Okay. It says, I tell you, us joy readers, no- news readers are out of a job if Noni keeps going like that. You really nailed it. That's from lovely Matt. We love Matt. He's he's gorgeous, and uh, thanks for that, Matt. It's I think I think your job's over, love. Really, I, I think it's fun though because I get the, I get the bulletin thirty or oh, five <laughs> seconds before it was to be read, which I love. And I think Matt wrote that bulletin, which was fantastic. Oh, Matt, so. thank you. It all made total sense. I didn't have to change a thing. Yeah, and there's another message. We're going to get lots of fan mail tonight. This is from James Newbury. He's a, a regular contributor to our show online, and he's saying, oh, hi, Noni. Welcome to Joy. And uh, and Peter from the Cabaret Room says that he is in heaven with that news reading. Oh, bless. Oh, my God. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. Hello, this is Neil Mitchell. Yes, that Neil Mitchell from 3AW. And you're listening to Joy 94.9, which is a good idea. I do too, sometimes. And you're back with Serena and Noni, and it's Salt and Bouquet Garni this evening. <laughs> Formerly known as Salt and Pepper. That's right. Now, shall I introduce our first guest? I that what think you'd like me to that do? would be most lovely. Fabulous. Uh, as Serena mentioned earlier, Friday is the International Day Against Homophobia and Transphobia, or Idaho Day. And over 100 Victorian secondary students are going to meet at the United Nations Youth Human Rights Summit on LGBT rights in Melbourne the day before. And we're very happy to have the summit convener, Mr. Convener, I'm sorry, Mr. Alec Webley, on the line to tell us all about it. Good evening, Alec. Hi. Hello. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Oh, look, uh, we'd, we'd love to hear a bit more about this, this wonderful summit that you're convening. Alec, walk us through it. Sure. So essentially, we've got about 160 students now from right across the state. Um, they're all going to be coming to Melbourne University. And the focus of the summit is going to be writing a youth resolution um, that's going to urge the United Nations to uh, make a series of, of affirmations of LGBT rights. We want Australia to be a big backer of this resolution. And after the delegates have written this resolution, which is what they'll do on this day, they're going to present it to our youth representative to the United Nations, who actually is appointed by the Department of Foreign Affairs and will go to the United Nations with this resolution and try to get Australia to introduce it or something like it in the UN General Assembly itself this year. That's really exciting. Alec, I'm interested in the process up to this point. Uh, Was this started by you? Did you uh, put the word out to secondary schools? How did you choose the, the 160 secondary students that are going to be coming? Anyone who was interested could just apply. Mm-hmm. Um, we put the word out to uh, every secondary school. The main organization organizing this, UN Youth, uh, works with schools throughout the year to run programs that are aimed at opening young eyes to the world. So uh, we went to out to all of our partner schools. We work with Safe Schools uh, Coalition Victoria. They worked out to all their partner schools and encouraged them to get students to sign up. We also went through minus 18 and went to students uh, directly. And between that, uh, 160-odd people have all agreed to sign up. So 
that's sort of how we got our, our uh, students. Well, it does sound like you're, you've got some fantastic representation and, and I believe that the former High Court Justice Michael Kirby, um, along with some, some thought leaders, will be attending this summit. What do you hope that they will bring in terms of the value of their wisdom? I think the most important thing they can bring is really trying to inspire the students into how to make tangible change. I think particularly at the international level, you know, this change is really, really difficult. The United Nations General Assembly has never passed a resolution that affirms even the most basic human rights of LGBT people. It's always been stymied. Um, and so I'm hoping that they can give students a sense of... Mo- but not only how difficult it is, but also how you can make realistic progress. We've seen a Human Rights Council resolution come out of the UN. We've seen a lot of great international activism um, that comes from outside the UN family from NGOs, and these people are all experts in that. Uh, Michael Kirby is is one of the world's leading experts in promoting international human rights. So I hope that kind of grounded aspiration is the key idea they can leave the students with. And are these kids who are taking part, um, Alec, are they uh, kids who have been involved with the UN Youth Australia um, organisation in the past or is this totally fresh for them? Totally fresh. It's an amazingly diverse group. We have people from right through the LGBT spectrum, um, people identifying as gay, queer, uh, lesbian, um, transgender, intersex. It's a really diverse group. We have people from Melbourne, we have people from regional Victoria, um, through Way Out, another one of our partners and other schools. So hopefully it's also a wonderful opportunity for all the students to meet each other and share the different perspectives of LGBT and allied youth right throughout the state. Is it open to the public? Absolutely. Uh, the summit is going to be happening at uh, the University of Melbourne Student Union. Uh, so if you just go to the Student Union building on Thursday, there's going to be fines everywhere and um, there's uh, plenty of seats for audience. So uh, very much encourage people to come. Alec, tell us more about the UN Youth Australia organisation itself. It's quite new to me. I, I, we've got a lot of young listeners who I think would probably love to participate in something that's youth and volunteer-led. Sure. So uh, UN Youth Australia is a national uh, youth-led charity, and we are affiliated with the United Nations, and our aim is to try and build people's movement with the United Nations through the education and empowerment of Australians. We do that through really... Uh, two broad groups of activities. We have a lot of educational activities that aim to try and teach young Australians about the wider world. So we run a series of conferences in every state and territory in Australia that leads to a national conference. It's going to be held in Sydney this July. Um, and that's an opportunity to have workshops, um, conversations, and to write uh, youth declarations and youth resolutions proposing solutions to problems that we then present to politicians. Um, in addition, we run lots of Model UN competitions, um, again, which is a, a way to try and complement sort of things you're doing in class and things you're not doing in class in a really uh, interactive and fun environment. And then we also do a lot of empowerment activities. One of the organizations set up the Australian Youth Climate Change Coalition. Um, we do a lot of work with other youth NGOs, really trying to make sure that young voices are being heard and actually responded to by decision makers, both locally uh, and nationally and internationally um, through the United Nations. So it sounds like you're you're garnering a tremendous groundswell of 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 the youth voice, and I, I imagine with a summit of this type, it would be easy for the young ones to go in and just fly the banner and bang the drum about marriage equality. But I, I wonder if there's a much deeper issue relating to human rights in 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 other countries that our Australian young people can have a voice for. 
Absolutely. Look, I think it's a wonderful sign of progress that the major issue, at least in the mainstream media, to do with LGBT rights in or LGBT human rights in this country is marriage equality. But in so many other countries, uh, it is uh, still a really terrible, painful experience for anyone who is same-sex attracted or gender diverse. And we, I think we ignore the influence that Australia is able to have on those countries. Australia is on the Security Council right now. We are at the very top table of international decision-making, and we have a tremendous capacity in the next two years to really shine a light on these human rights issues. Uh, you know, No matter what your position is on same-sex marriage, I think we can all agree that violence against anybody for any reason is abhorrent and should be deplored. And I think, ideally we can try and create some uh, publicity for urging Australia not just to implement marriage equality uh, for its own citizens, but to try and urge um, higher standards of human rights everywhere in the world, which is something that we have enormous power to do, um, especially in our region, but also through the United Nations. And to empower young people to to have a voice. Um, Mm. I'm interested in, uh, are you getting much media interest, Alec? Do you think you're going to have a pretty good coverage from this? Um, it's, it's, it's still a bit early to tell. Mm. I think, um, it's the first, it's the first time we've run an event quite like this with the specific LGBT focus. I'm hoping that, uh, once we generate the resolution, um, we're planning to give that to, uh, every federal politician and send that out to all the media. I'm hopeful we're going to be able to garner some interest, um, particularly in the conclusions that this group's going to draw. I think it's going to be really powerful to have this big, diverse group of young people all standing up and making a statement about what they want Australia to do on the world stage Absolutely. for human rights. Can you give us the website for people to uh, reference, please? Absolutely. You just go to our website. It's www.unyouth.org.au. Do you Fantastic. guys have a Twitter? Uh, we do. It's at UNYouthOz, uh, A-U-S, and that's our Twitter. Great. We're going to tweet that for our listeners very shortly. We do wish you the very best of luck with the summit, and we will come back to you and... Let us know how it goes. Indeed, and see what your findings were. Thank you for joining us, Alec. Fantastic. Thank Thanks, so Alec. Much. All Cheers. the best. Thank you. What a smart guy. That sounds like a fantastic event for oh. all the people taking part. And it doesn't sound like you need to be a, 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 a GLBTIQ no, no, to take part. No, no, that's quite specifically you know? so, yeah. It's, it's fantastic that they're out there, you know, establishing a much broader conversation around human rights. And, and feeling that they have a voice. It's so important. It is important, and we're very lucky in this country, and there's a lot of lackadaisical young people, so hopefully these 160 can um, stop them being lackadaisical. Oh, gosh, we wish them the very best of luck. Thank you for listening to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Noni Hazelhurst is with me in the studio at 27 minutes past seven. All the way till eight o'clock. All the way till eight o'clock. You are listening to Salt and Pepper, but minus the pepper with a, an extra condiment on top. We would love to hear from you. We're getting a lot of great messages tonight from Kay and about James. About the condiment on top. About the condiment <laughs> on top, that which is Noni Hazelhurst. So thank you to James and Kay for sending through your lovely messages of support. Indeed. Please send us a message, 0427 JOY 949. You can give someone on the desk. I think it's Gordon. It's usually Gordon, but when I say it, I'm typically wrong. There's someone lovely on the front desk. You can reach them on 1300 JOY 949.
Send us a message on air at joy.org.au or you can uh, pop a little tweet on salt and pepper joy. Noni, anything to add? Uh, I love hearing from people. It's good to know there's people listening. Isn't it just? Isn't it just? Oh, it's lovely. It's lovely. Look, I want to talk to you further about Idaho and uh, there's been a lot of traction in the media around uh, racism and homophobia and a whole range of the really ugly side of, of the barracking culture um, in, in AFL in particular. There's been a lot of stuff in the media lately around the AFL wanting to, to take a, a leadership role in, in stamping out these sorts of behaviours. So I'm really pleased to, to say that we've got the CEO from the AFL Players Association, Matt Finnis, on the line with us tonight, t- talking to us about the Pledge Against Homophobic Language campaign that is that is just launching. Matt, thanks for joining us. No, thanks for having me. Look, it's it's really um, it's very interesting what you guys are up to. I, I did a little, little bit of reading today, and and I'm really interested, and I think Noni is too, to hear a bit more about the AFL players and the pledge that they're making. Well, look, the campaign uh, is called Footy for Idaho, and uh, it's something which is, I guess, born out of a fairly uh, a loose affiliation, but certainly something which we, we've kind of been. Um, Brewing, I guess, for a few years now around Idaho, where where players have have joined, you know, the groundswell of community support behind this important occasion. And and this year, um, you know, our support is in a campaign which really focuses on trying to stamp out homophobic language, which is really ignorance based. Look, it is, and and one of the things that you know, I guess, it's central to that is regardless of, of, you know, your intention or your motivation or whether you actually thought about it or not, it's it's, it's actually recognising the impact that that kind of language can have. And, and you know, so that's why I guess with, with players, you know, they're, they're seeking to lend their voice to shine a light on it, if you like, um, and, and, you know, lend their support to, to try and stamp out this kind of disrespectful behaviour. Has there been any resistance within the organisation, Matt? Not at all. Great. Not that I've encountered. Uh, it's um, it's been something which the players, um, you know, who I've spoken to, to a man, um, have been very supportive of. And and I think that they've seen the leadership shown by a couple of players in particular, and, and Brock McLean and and Dan Jackson earlier this year were the first two AFL players to participate in the in the Pride March. And and I think that you know players want to lend their support to those guys who they see as, as standing up uh, for the issue as well. Uh, do you hope that it will have a knock-on effect, not only just at a player level but at a barracker level? Because it seems like in Victoria, in particular, there's a really strong culture of um, interaction, to put it politely, from certain supporters when they're at games. Do, do you hope that you're going to have an impact on that level also? Yeah, look, we do, and, and that's part of the the campaign is very much encouraging um, people to pledge their support. And that is that not only you know, will you not engage in homophobic behaviour yourself, or, but you'll also call it out if you do see it. And and that's where everybody's got a role to play. And you know, I think footy fans, by and large, you know, get it right. But there are a few who let everyone down, and, and they ought not be allowed to get away with it. I think you're right to to say to encourage people to to call others on it because so often now people are hiding behind the anonymity of of Twitter and Facebook and things like that to make odious comments about people they don't like. And I know that um, Majak was the victim of some horrible racist comments in the crowd last uh, Saturday. 
Um, and it really has to stop. I mean, there's so many children who are hearing this sort of stuff on a daily basis who are being influenced unfairly, and I'm sure that's behind a lot of the players who, who have young children who really want the, the world to be a better place for them. Yeah, you're right, Noni. It's interesting. We were talking about it this week. It, it, you know, is, is there more of, of this going on or is it the fact that we're hearing about now because, in fact, fans are being less tolerant of it and, and are putting their hand up and are reporting it and, and we're able to, to act on it? We don't, we don't know, but to the extent that, that the latter is, is relevant, then I think that's a fantastic thing, that, that people are, you know, not sitting by and, and, and now people, the bystanders are, are, if you like, you know, turning us around. It, it seems like you're wanting to promote a more incl- inclusive culture within the within the AFL culture itself. Would that extend to, to players that, that may in fact have gay family members or in fact are struggling with their own same-sex attraction? I mean, that's exactly right. We, we, we call it, what we call it, is a first-class sporting workplace and that's something which is a workplace which really you know, it fosters the personal growth, the, the diversity um, and, and inclusiveness of all people. And, and that's something which, you know, the, the players, you know, take a collective responsibility for in, in that sense. And that's why we're um, doing this work, because at the end of the day, we're the players own association. So that's something which we take very seriously, um, because, you know, your, your sexual orientation is not relevant to your, your playing career as a footballer, uh, or it would not be, but mm. the environment in which we, in which you go to work um, must be inclusive and, and must be one which really celebrates that personal growth, but also your own, you know, comfort and, and wellness and equality. Uh, what about the other codes? Have they shown any uh, interest in this initiative? Look, I, I look. I'm, I'm not um, aware of, of the precise nature of what's happening. I, I've seen some support amongst individuals um, in, in rugby. Um, you know, I know that in hockey they've been doing some great work. I'd, I'd be very surprised if we don't see a number of other athletes picking up on what the AFL players are doing and, you know, retweeting and, and, and joining the pledge. You know, I, I think that there tends to be a, um, a recognition amongst sports people of watching what other sports people are doing. And if, if this can have a ripple effect across other codes, then we'd be really proud of that. Okay, so Matt, just before we wrap up talking to you tonight, we are going to play the audio from the campaign video. You've got a really strong uh, social media call to action. What is it that people can do and, and where do they find the information to do this? So they can um, support Footy for Idaho and uh, you can go to the aflplayers.com.au website or our Facebook page, um, the, the Footy for Idaho hashtag, and you can pledge your support. Um, to, to not use homophobic language, but to call it out. And we'd love as many people as we can to do that, um, to, to really demonstrate that, that wave of support. Um, and, and you can also uh, you know, watch the video that I think you're about to play and, and then forward that on throughout your social media networks as well so that as many people as we can engage in this campaign have a chance to participate. And is there some associated merch? Um, well, we haven't we haven't been in the merch stage just yet, Noni. But there Next are year. some re- well, there are some resources we we put together on our website, which you know go to um, you know help people to really take this to the next stage. And, Fantastic. And of course, as we say, you know, to call it out, not everyone feels comfortable calling it out. And yep. and so we've got some some tips and some strategies which we've um, we've received some great support from the Equal Opportunity and Human Rights Commission. And um, so we've got some some resources there which which people can refer to as well. 
Matt Finnis, uh, you've actually made my day. I, I didn't know enough about this campaign, but what you've shared tonight around your language and your inclusiveness, look, we're just so thrilled to have been able to share this with you tonight. Thank you so much for promoting such an incredible campaign. We wish you the very best of luck with it. And we'll do our best to promote it too. We will indeed. Oh, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. But really, it's, it's the players who are, who are leading this and it's the players, the ones who, who should be congratulated. So I encourage your listeners to support the campaign and, and thanks for your support. Well, we will certainly tweet the bejesus out of it. And I might even look at some football. Oh, look at you go. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Cheers. Good evening. Bye-bye. Thank Bye. you. Let's listen to that uh, audio, this fantastic uh, video, which we're clearly only playing the audio of. This May 17 is Idaho Day, International Day Against Homophobia. Homophobia has no place in society, and it definitely has no place in our game. This year, we are raising awareness of the damaging impact that homophobic language has within sport and the community. We've taken a pledge to never use homophobic language and stand up to those who do. Aussie rules does not discriminate, no matter what your race, religion or sexuality. The richness of diversity is what makes our game special. It takes courage to play AFL football, but it takes even more courage to stand up for what is right. Join us in giving homophobia the boot. Go to the AFL players website and take the pledge. We are all in this together. Don't shirk the issue. Hello, this is Alison Moyer. You're listening to Joy 94.9. You certainly are. It's 23 minutes to eight. And I knew that was a fantastic interview with Matt Finnis from the AFL Players Association. I'm genuinely moved by, by what they're doing. I Me just too. think that it takes courage for these young lads to do this because there'll be a lot of people who are going to fight them on it. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful initiative and I really wish them all the best with it. You know, I, I always sort of wonder um, around these sorts of campaigns, whether or not they've got the language right. Mm. And this association is speaking the language of inclusiveness mm. and equality and calling people out on it and providing resources in, you know, to help people manage that that aspect of in, you know, interacting with others when they need to call them out. It's, it's amazing. They've thought it through really well. They have, they haven't they? Congratulations. They do. Look, we've just had another message. Oh, look, James... James is one of our um, regular listeners and uh, he's currently disagreeing with our analysis around that players are trying to stamp out homophobia. He believes the organisation doesn't care and that racist behaviour faces escalating punishments in the AFL judiciary whilst homophobia is broadly ignored and is often used as a coaching technique. I actually don't have any evidence to support that. All I can do is take... Matt's intentions and his call to action on behalf of the Players Association is being well-intentioned and I think, you know, I stand by what I'm saying here. I think what they're doing is great and it's a great start. Noni? Yeah, I think there's been um, some very good reasons for, for that uh, tweeter to say what he said, but I also th- am highly encouraged hmm. by having this cross my desk today. You well, know, this that isn't this the is solution. Happening. No. It is one step towards integration. And it's integration, coming from the players. And it's coming from, coming the, players. from the players. And I think we must not poo-poo it in any way. No, it's, it's consumer it's, demand. They're leading absolutely. the demand and that's the only reason you can get organic food in supermarkets now because people asked for it. So and if the punters and the people are asking for this change, it will come. It's fantastic thought leadership from a group that's typically not associated with being mm. inclusive around this particular issue. So I applaud them strongly. Next up, we're going to chat to Robert Knappman. Now, he is uh, with ACONS, uh, which is a New South Wales organisation. I don't know what ACONS stands for. I couldn't work it out today. I'm sure he'll tell us, but he's from the Anti-Violence Project and he's walking us through some of the Idaho initiatives up in New South Wales this week. Good evening, Robert. 
Good evening. Tell us what ACON stands for. Well, ACON is an acronym, and ACON um, originally um, stood for the AIDS Council of New South Wales. Um, ACON still represents and addresses HIV and um, AIDS in New South Wales, but we've broadened into other health issues as well. So whilst we've kept ACON because it's a brand, we also address um, issues like homophobia and transphobia, Aboriginal sexual health, um, health for young lesbian and bisexual women, for example. That's a huge brief that you're covering there, isn't it? <laughs> it is. My, my specific brief is a little bit smaller, although it is also quite broad, and that is um, as the team leader of the Anti-Violence Project here in, based in Sydney, we cover um, a lot of New South Wales regions in responding to people who have experienced homophobia and transphobia in their communities or even within their relationship. And do you do something for Idaho Day every year, Robert, or is this a first for you? No, we have been doing something since around about 2005 uh-huh. um, in um, the AIDS Council, in ACON. We started off fairly small and we've been growing and focusing on different areas in each year. What sorts of things are you um, putting on in the various regions on Friday? One of the things we're really pleased about this year is that we've been able to fund in small grants a number of community groups across New South Wales to do their own thing. In the past, we've kind of focused on some campaigns in here and we've supported um, the ACON branches in, in Lismore, in, in Hunter and in the Illawarra. But this year, we found a little bit of money and we decided to give it to a number of groups around the, around the state so that they can run their own Idaho activities. Mm-hmm. Because for us, Idaho is a pretty much a grassroots um, focus. It, it's, it's the kind of thing that you... It's the kind of platform that you can attach anything to, depending on what community you're a part of, depending on what country you live in. Um, Idaho means different things to different communities. So we felt that the best way to support local communities to address homophobia or transphobia in their local communities was to provide them with a very small sort of grant that they could do whatever they thought was appropriate for them. So what do the New South Welsh people have to look forward to this Friday? Um, this Friday, one of the things that we're doing in Sydney is that we're building on the This Is Oz campaign, which is an online photo gallery where people have been uploading images of themselves, holding personal messages about stopping homophobia, human rights issues, diversity, inclusion, and we're blowing them up into large posters and we're pasting them around the streets of Sydney as a bit of a sort of a pop-up, paste-up gallery of um, real people holding real messages about real issues. And for us, that's really quite exciting. We're also supporting, as I mentioned, those other groups around around the state. We've got um, events and groups happening in Lismore, in the Malamimbi Farmers Market. There's a rainbow crossing being made out of fabric. Um, the local mayor is involved in it. There's going to be a flash mob up there. Um, the University of New England uh, in Armadale is doing a barbecue and poster making and slogans. In um, the Samaritans up in Newcastle and Lake Macquarie um, are creating a rainbow crossing at their youth centre and they're involving a whole bunch of members of the community to be involved in that youth event. Um, the Queer All Sorts Collective at the University of Wollongong are also doing something. They're doing an, an Idaho fair on campus with stores and performances and barbecues and baked goods. So these are all very um, um, local initiatives, mm. but these are initiatives that um, um, engage the local community through their, their marketing, through their promotions, through the, through the local media. I, I love that you allude to real people and real issues in your posters, yeah. but also these kinds of events do do they are very accessible for for anybody, and I think that's a really powerful message. Absolutely, and I think that's the core message of Idaho is that it is something that happens. It is something that's relevant to everybody, not just 
the gay lesbian bisexual transgender intersect not just the broad um sexuality and gender diverse communities but all those um related to them all those connected to them and if you did a sort of a um degrees of separation you probably find that everybody in this country is connected to somebody of a different gender or sexuality and not too far away from them like that Rob, look, thank you for that very quick rundown on what's happening in your state for Friday's Idaho. Where can people find more information? They can find information on the ACON website, which is www.acon.org.au. They can then do a search for Idaho 2013 and they'll come up with a whole bunch of stuff that's happening around the country, around the state, sorry. Okay, well, we wish you the very best of luck and thank you for joining us tonight. No worries. Thank you very much. Good on you, mate. Thanks, We're going to go to uh, some messages, Nones. Very good. Let's go. Become a Joy member so we can give you the best shows every day. Call 1300 Joy 949. Joy Melbourne is a gay and lesbian volunteer-based community radio station committed to providing a voice for the diverse lesbian and gay communities, enabling freedom of expression, the breaking down of isolation and the celebration of our culture, achievements and pride. Starting in 2004 as Idaho, May 17th marks the ninth International Day Against Homophobia, Biphobia and Transphobia. From 9am this Friday, Joy 94.9 will present a special Idaho broadcast featuring guests from various multicultural and ethnic backgrounds to get their take on where we're at, both internationally and locally, in the fight to end discrimination. Plus, we're going to also look at the launch of the latest No to Homophobia campaign. So tune in for Idaho on Joy this Friday from 9am. And then on Saturday, food and wine lovers rejoice as Craving celebrates its fourth birthday on Joy by taking the show on the road with a live two-hour broadcast from the Noosa Food and Wine Festival. That should be getting ugly by the end of it. Featuring celebrity chefs, international guests and more, it's the perfect way for foodie fans to celebrate this wonderful milestone. Cravings live from Noosa this Saturday from 1pm on your LGBTIQ community radio station, Joy 94.9. You can find more Joycasts and show blogs. Go to joy.org.au. 13 minutes to 8, Noni Hazelhurst. It's whizzing by, isn't it? It is indeed. God, it's, it's been an absolute sausage fest tonight. Men after men after men for interviews. Let's correct that imbalance. <laughs> by indeed. speaking to a, a girl. A girl. Um, now, we, we saw this story about a Queensland mum who has a nine-year-old daughter uh, who was born male but insists that she wants to live as a girl. And her school has some issues. Uh, It was reported in the Courier-Mail. The main issue is that this child is not allowed to use the girls' or boys' bathrooms at her school. Uh, And we have a little bit of audio to We do have just a little bit of audio of the mum talking about her her little girl. And uh, it it just positions this, this context quite nicely, I think. My child started saying that she wanted to be a girl at the age of four. However, I just ignored it, thinking it was a phase. However, as years progressed, she was struggling at school, um, constantly getting suspended, um, until one day, um, about two and a half years ago, I asked her what is wrong, and she said she wanted to be a girl. So we let her be a girl. <laughs> Obviously born a boy, but she, she's my girl. Joy, 94.9. Very touching to it's, hear that woman 
It is rather lovely, I think. Well, so we thought we would talk to a freelance journalist who we know, who identifies as transsexual. Transgender. Sorry, transgender. Thank you. Pleasure. And she's in Sydney and her name is Kate Doak and she joins us now. Hello, Kate. Hello, Miss Noni and hello, Serena. Hello, darling. How are you? I'm fantastic. Oh, good. Look, uh, we wanted to chat to you, Kate, around this particular news item coming out of Queensland. You would have just heard the audio that, that we've played about the lovely little Jane. Um, Given what, that it's Idaho Day yeah, on Friday, on Friday we want to know where are we at with transgender rights in this country and internationally? Okay, and it depends on which particular issue that you're focusing on. In regards to a lot of um, uh, workplace um, and also school rights here in Australia, we're actually quite developed in comparison to other parts of the world, like the United States, for example. But like when it comes to specific issues like um, uh, whether or not kids are allowed to use different toilets, for example, um, or like um, go on specific types of like um, uh, school excursions or sporting teams and all of that, um, we'll still have a little bit of um, stuff to, to iron out, if you know what I mean, in regards to that. So um, with this particular girl, she's um, uh, she's nine years old. She's in year four. She's in school in southeast Queensland, and the school has basically said, "Well, you can't use like um, uh, the toilet the other girls use. You've got to use one that has been specifically set aside as being unisex." Now that particular toilet has basically been previously used for disabled people specifically. Hmm. So from a psychological perspective, it's really been knocking this kid around. Indeed. The that she's disabled. Because it does draw a stronger correlation between disability and transgender, and we know that uh, it's not. It's simply... It's, it's simply how you're born. I mean, you would you identify as transgender, Kate. Would you, would you countenance anyone telling you that you have a disability? I'd politely putting it and nothing against any of the, um, uh, the disabled people that I know, but I'd feel insulted if I was like, um, uh, like told that I'm disabled because I'm transgender. And like, again, like with that, I mean, like if you can get in, you can go, right, I'm a good person. I'm somebody who's worth something and all of that. Like you can like deal with anything in this life. This um, this mother has, is wanting the family court to allow her to give her daughter puberty-blocking drugs in preparation for hormone treatment. What currently is the, the age at which you're allowed to make a decision? I mean, is it irrelevant until this girl is 18, according to the law, or does the parent have the right to, to have a, a voice in this issue? The parent does have a right to a voice in this particular issue. Mm-hmm. However... Um, anything to be done before the kid turns 18, um, it's got to go in front of like the various different like um, uh, family courts across Australia. So there's quite a large um, uh, financial element in regards to this because court cases can cost a lot, like in order to put forward. Mm. Um, there's also the fact that like um, with this particular girl, according to the uh, to the news reports that we've seen so far, she has been. I mean, she has been diagnosed as having gender dysphoria. Um, so it's a medical condition that she has got, and it should be treated like any other medical condition um, that we see um, in the modern world and all of that. Like, 
it should be given the respect that like it deserves as a medical condition and treated accordingly. So Kate, tell us what this little girl will be going through at the moment. She's she's nine years of age. She's prepubescent. She's prepubescent. We know that um, boys and girls develop a lot earlier now than they used to. So hormones are probably in the mix and on their way. She's probably quite frightened. Um, I suspect you know y- you could probably give us a little bit of insight here as to what this process might be like for her. Well, obviously, it's going to be an extremely traumatic experience. Um, very stressful. Um, she's going to be going, well, why are these different things happening to my body and um, why aren't they, like, happening in a way that, like, other, I mean, other girls are going through puberty. And, like, she'll know, like, from a, um, from a conscious perspective why, but, like, from a subconscious perspective, it will really start to eat away at her as time goes by. And there's actually been... Um, a number of like um, uh, kids that are like um, they won't eat or drink anything before school, just so they don't have to go to like um, the toilets oh. like while they're at school and face like a um, a constant reminder of like um, uh, the way that their their own bodies are deceiving. Mm. So, Kate, how important is Idaho on Friday for the trans community? It's extremely important, and like. Uh, with that, like there, there's been so little attention that's been focused on trans issues nationwide over the past few years in terms of dealing with bullying, dealing with um, with any form of harassment, and um, also finding the right support services as well. Like this particular girl, she's been lucky; she's been able to to find them. But like um, a lot of other kids don't, and like it's events like um, Idaho, for example which really show them the way as to like um, what facilities they can use nationwide and also support networks as well, like the Gender Centre up here in, um, in New South Wales, 2010 as well, and also uh, Rainbow Network Victoria down there in, um, in Victoria as well. I'm assuming that, that the mum wants to give the child the puberty-blocking drugs so that she does not physically develop as a boy because if they can start this process early, it's going to make, make it a lot less painful and probably expensive in the long run for her to find her true sexuality. Yeah. Well, it, it's not just sexuality. It's gender per se as well mm. uh, because those two things are uniquely different in their own way. The other thing is with that too, that puberty blockers, medical research has shown that like they don't do any long-term harm to, to a child by going onto them. So it actually lets the kid like um, stay at the present level of development that they're at um, in terms of like... Um, uh, genitalia development and all of that but like um it gives them the time that they need in accordance with um uh the different laws that we've got in he- here in australia to um to develop maturity wise and then make a proper fully informed decision a number of years down the track mm-hmm. kate thank you so much for offering us the trans perspective tonight we've sadly run out of time but you have alerted us to the incredible importance of the trans component of idaho idaho this friday thank you so much for joining us thank you for that and just quickly thank you to miss noni for like um uh, being such an inspiring person to the L- meant to the LGBTI community throughout her career, and to LGBTI kids like myself, I wouldn't have gotten through to where I am with people like both of you. Oh, bless you! Oh, thanks, Lovely Kate. to talk to you, Kate, and all the very best. Thank you. Take Cheers. care, darling. We need to go to some messages.
Joy 94.9 is a GLBTIQ community radio station in Melbourne, Australia. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. Ethel Chop here. You're listening to Joy 94.9. Idiot. No show is complete without being told I'm an idiot by Ethel. Look, just <laughs> before we wrap up, Noons, we've had a message from a listener saying the uh, Players Association AFL is completely separate to the AFL and this person agrees that the AFL needs to do more. But we should be commending the Players Association Absolutely. for taking the lead. And I couldn't agree more. Thank you for sending that message in. More importantly, thank you for joining me tonight, Ms Hazelhurst. I've been delighted to join you, Serena, and to find out all about Idaho because I didn't know about it. And, and now you lovely. do. It's so important and we wish everybody who's taking part in anything Idaho-related on Friday to, you know, stand up, be proud and uh, enjoy the day. And get onto all the uh, websites that we talked about tonight if you missed out. And they're all on Twitter. And I am very pleased to say that our podcasts are up to date. Thanking uh, Shannon, who is an amazing podcaster and we'd be lost without her. So podcasts, get online, have a listen, download. And uh, thank you so much for listening. And thank you, Matt, for pushing all of my buttons tonight. And he does. He does. We love him. His mouth, he's actually lip syncing right now. (laughs) (laughs) Good night. Good night. Started out this morning. This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy94.9. Support Joy94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.